0: Coming up, want to know how to easily three X your valuation? Well, today's guest shares why having an ethnically diverse team will not only create a more effective team, but also help you three X your valuation. You'll also discover what KPIs to focus on in the very beginning, the levers to increase your apps retention and how to build and launch a successful mobile game, all that and so much more.
1: The most action-packed content from the top
0: mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want a simple way to earn more money and increase engagement? Theorem Reach makes it easy for you to add fun, rewarded surveys to your app. Learn more at theoremreach.com want to scale your aso and apple search ads well check out appradar.com their clients include tinder microsoft iTranslate, and many more learn more at appradar.com what is up app nation it is steve Young, founder of appmasters.com the place you go you know when you want action-backed content in the app business we talked to some amazing entrepreneurs in the app space to really get a sense of what's working and so that we can all collectively learn and grow together today. I've got a repeat guest. I thought it was very appropriate to have him on. His name is Chuka Ikoku. He is the founder and CEO at diversity.io. Diversity.io. So if you're looking to hire people of color in the tech space, that's the best place. I know there's a few people who are looking to do that. Build a diverse team. If you're looking for the talent, go to Diversity. Dot IO that's D I V E R city as in town city.io Chuka, Welcome back, my friend.
1: Thank you. Glad to be back.
0: I know this is a a loaded question, but how are you doing right now? Given the times.
1: Well, great question. Yes. Loaded. Indeed. Uh, I, I usually say that these times are trying, uh, very interesting and trying times because Number one, we're all stuck at home or limited in terms of our whereabouts because of the pandemic. Uh, and then now we're all dealing with the so- social justice issue at as high a scale as most have experienced in their entire life. Yeah. So I think for me as a, as a Black professional, uh, it's heavy uh, because it's not something that I can ignore. Uh, and I don't even want to ignore that, you know, nevertheless, because I'm not going to assume every person of color feels the same way, but it's something that has always had meaning to me. Uh, because I care deeply about underrepresentation, so uh, it, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot, but I'm I'm focusing on the future. I'm focusing on the solution and what we can do to help move things forward. Because we already know what the problem is. Uh, it's just a question of okay, where do we go from here? And uh, the problems have been highlighted uh, as of late with the, the the killings that we've all seen um, on media. But uh, it's not as if these things just started happening. So. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh even though it has been a heavy last few weeks, uh it's it's I'm I'm excited in a crazy way uh, about what's to come because you know, we do see a lot of a lot of uh, companies that are trying to turn things around and uh there's only so many ways you can impact uh you know d- diversity um and equity and this is one of the ways, you know, conversations like these.
0: The there's so many Areas I want to take it, but I want for the listener out there who really want to talk about more of the mobile analytics side and the product. And we're going to get to that as well with Chuka, but really we did dig deep into our previous episode. So 764, go check it out. That's Chuka's first time on the podcast. And we cover a lot of that stuff too. So I don't want to repeat anything that we did, but definitely worth checking out. And we talk a lot about the analytics and how do you work with the product side. But Chuka, one thing that I want to talk about with you too, before we get into the mobile side of things, is You know, how does it feel something when we first met at the just conference, you brought up the fact that, hey, look, I'm the only black person in this tech conference. And yes, we're on this panel talking about women, diversity and gender diversity, but not enough is talking about race diversity. How does it feel to be the only black person at that tech conference? Like what is going on in your personal mind headspace when you're when you're at a conference like this?
1: You know, I think that uh, th- you can ask that question as as uh, what does it feel like being in the tech industry in, in Silicon Valley? Because being at a, a conference where I was the only black person, uh, it wasn't necessarily the first time that's been the case. Uh, I've been at companies where I was the only entire companies where I was the only black person. And uh, or, or, of course, teams, departments. So I think for me, uh, you mentioned a point about growing, growing up in Africa um, when we're talking offline. So for me, growing up in Africa, most people are black, and uh, you you end up growing up in a way where you don't you don't look at yourself as limited because of the fact that you're black because you don't have any point of reference. And I came to America 20 years ago with that same mindset, and I and I got away with it. In fact, for many years because I just didn't think that way. But you learn the hard way. You know, you mm-hmm. very quickly learn the hard way that being black in America means something. Um, and I could be naive in my nature, so if I applied to a job and I don't get the job, I just assume, oh, I, I wasn't maybe I wasn't good enough, you know. But the reality is that because of subconscious bias, someone could see my LinkedIn picture and assume that I'm black, so thus I I may they may be settling um, if they if they consider me, you know. So a lot of that could have very very well been the case, and uh, a lot of things I learned the hard way just in years to come. But you know, I I've, I've, I certainly see the problem that we have just in terms of underrepresentation and whenever there's a, an attempt to solve in some way the problem that's when that's when I I feel I could be more outspoken not just bickering about the level of underrepresentation oh only 1% of the employees are black not not really doing that but more so saying okay amen for the people who want to do something about this how, how do we do something about it the right way and not just because it's the right thing to do but because you, the business needs it you know you it's the difference between a $1 billion company and a $3 billion company.
0: Yeah. What's the difference?
1: Uh, it's diversity. Yeah. Kaufman fellows, they, they did a study recently that, that made that published that fact. And, uh, it was, uh, it was jaw dropping because before then everyone knew about the McKinsey study that shows that diverse companies are 35% more likely to outperform the industry median, but Kaufman fellows did it for tech startups in particular. And realize that the difference in the company valuation is 3x on average. Companies that have uh, homogeneous founding teams versus diverse founding teams, it's 3.3 times more. So, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. It's an expensive trade-off. Very expensive. So I, I'm, I'm really about, okay, now we know the facts. What what then do we do? You know, um, because it's easy to just talk about it and also to be misled. You know, like thinking that if you have more women, then you're good to go. But right. I think, you know, if anything, McKinsey said that uh, ethnic or racial diversity has a bigger impact than gender diversity. So that that the data is already outspoken.
0: The When you first started diversity, we kind of talked a little bit during the first interview about what your mission and everything else. What did you start out with? How do you, because you're a platform, right? And so like, I have experience with a bunch of different platforms like this the hardest is the chicken and egg problem. So, like, how do you figure out which ones to solve first?
1: Oh, that's a great question.
0: Hey, so- Chuka, I think your yeah. audio switch from, is now from your computer versus what you originally had
1: it. Yes, but you can still hear me though, right?
0: Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay. Okay,
1: perfect, perfect. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. And, and I think that the, what, what we've learned is that Diverse talent or underrepresented talent is difficult to access. And let me tell you why. Uh, If a company says that they want to go find a person of color who's also qualified, um, you know, for like a VP of analytics position, they're going to find maybe like 200 white and Asian potentials before they find a person of color. Right? So if you're, if you're a recruiter, you're, and you're on LinkedIn, you're gonna go on LinkedIn and, and put all your requisites in there, Tableau, SQL, Python, R, you know, years of experience, all that good stuff. And then you're gonna go through potentially hundreds of profiles before you find that one person of color, um, you know, and, and, and it's exhausting. And that one person of color, maybe other companies already reached out to them and they're not open and all that stuff. So it's a pain, you know, it's a big pain. Um, and a lot of times because of that scarcity, uh, you know, it could be demoralizing, like, oh, you know, like I tried and, and I couldn't find them. So what we have to come to the realization of is that if, if companies are going to be able to move the needle when it comes to diversity, they need, they need the, the skill, you know, they need the, the pool to pick from, right? And, and that's always been the challenge. A lot of companies exist now that are trying to do something about this. But the challenge is how do you, how do you get all the black or X or female or disabled tech professionals in one place? So that you don't you don't have to wait through hundreds upon hundreds of uh, majority to access them. So uh, initially we try to focus on the people. Now we're, we're we're putting a lot more emphasis on on AI access, so that the AI can help us do the intelligent sourcing. Sorry, can you say that again, Steve?
0: Sorry, I was muted myself. It had nothing to do with your audio. I was actually muted. <laughs> what AI? Like, what are you starting to think about with the AI thing?
1: Yes, great question. Uh, okay, so uh, it's 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 interesting. Uh, there's there are different sciences for this, uh, but there's image recognition. There's natural language processing. There's deep learning, uh, neural networks. But all these things essentially allow you to leverage all the information that's a- a- available on someone on the web and then categorize them. So it's not quite like racial profiling as much as it's uh, demographic categorization. And uh, it, may not ne- it may not necessarily have 100% accuracy, but if, you, if, if someone knew that I was black and they don't know that I'm Nigerian, they don't know that I'm, I'm African American or African, the fact that they know I'm black is already a win, right? Because me being black makes me a person of color, whether I grew up in Nigeria or I grew up in Inglewood. I'm a person of color so if, they, if they're able to learn that about me without having to go through hundreds of, of profiles at you know based on the qualifications mm-hmm. that that's a big win. So uh, what we're looking to do is just leverage publicly available information that folks have put out there to help us help them you know in terms of uh, their accessibility.
0: So do you, with diversity, do you have a platform of applicants already, but you're sort of saying like, we have this platform of applicants already, but we're going to leverage our AI to even find a greater platform. So for those who might not already be signed up with diversity, we're going to try to find them using AI on the web.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because there's already, there's too many, everyone's on LinkedIn, you know, um, and a lot of people are aware of Indeed and ZipRecruiter. Uh, and and angel. So, but, but the minorities are still lost in the shuffle, right? They're still lost in the shuffle. So, for every 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 underrepresented professional who's not actively looking or who hasn't heard of diversity, we still want them to not be lost. You know, we still want them to be accessible, so that they they at the very least, the companies that care about diversity know about the the folks that that could appreciate that that uh that priority.
0: And then from a, cause you, this is a business, right? Diversity, like it is, did you make money off of people looking to hire and then you take a percentage like a finder's fee? Like, how does that work?
1: Yes. Yeah, so right now the, the portal, the diversity platform is free. Uh, where, when we update it with the AI features, then we'll be able to charge a subscription fee for the platform. Okay. Uh, it's always going to be free for the user. There's no like LinkedIn premium type equivalent. So if, if someone's looking for a job or if they're passively looking, or if they were, asked, they were uh, reached out to from diversity, there, there's no cost to them uh, other than engaging the potential opportunity, uh, which is a time cost, if you will. Uh, and then as, as of this very moment, we are working with a bunch of companies in the tech space, a lot of gaming companies, and those companies we're, were working with on a staffing basis. So uh, w- what we want the platform to do eventually, we're doing that with our own staffing team. So we're reaching out to people across our entire diverse network, making sure that they're qualified and then placing them at the client side.
0: When you said three X more valuable with a diverse, ethnically diverse team, are you talking about the executive team or is it just, is there like a level that we need to be diverse on or is it just, you know, at a, just a company wide level?
1: Yes. Great question. So the, the impact of the, 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 the valuation that is due to the diversity is much higher at the higher the the executive level i see right yeah it's it's much higher at the executive level in fact it's 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 higher by magnitudes and i think that's why when uh, uh mckinsey does these studies they're doing the studies on the overall company they're not doing it on the executive team i bet you if they did it on the executive team the, mm. the magnitude in revenue difference will be multiples it won't be like 35% or 40% it will be like 2x 3x so, the Kaufman Fellow study was specific to startups. And with startups, it's easier to just look at a founding team and then make the assessment. So, when they did that, uh, they, they realized that it was a 3x difference. So, I'm not saying that lower level diversity doesn't have an impact, but it certainly has a higher impact uh, the higher the level.
0: Okay. So, let's get into some of the mobile stuff. There is going to definitely be a part two because I have Chuka's time and I want to.
1: I want to utilize, I want
0: to maximize my time with you, okay? Selfishly speaking, and ask more about the personal side of things. But let's get it onto the mobile side of things. We, the, part two is going to be on the other podcast, Games with Entrepreneurs, and I'll link that up into the show notes as well, so you can check that out. But from a product perspective, Chuka, you know, I work with a lot of startups where they're just starting to get, they're starting to get going a little bit. And I always tell them, like, make sure you have your numbers in place. Because th- I'm pretty good at growth, but if you're not doing retention right, if you're not doing monetization right, My growth is going to be a leaky bucket, and you're going to have paid me and not seen any lick of ROI on it. So, what do you say to people just starting out? Like, what are some key—not to redundant, but what are some KPIs that they should be focused on?
1: Sure, Uh, that's a great question, and I totally agree with you in terms of the leaky bucket syndrome. But uh, there's a couple of things I mentioned earlier. Uh, What what we're realizing is that there are some products you can build that get uh, good—they get good traction from a Uh, an awareness standpoint, you know, maybe people know your brand or you, you know, you just so happen to have this mechanic that makes it easy for a bunch of people to come on. But I think we'll both agree that if you're not retaining your users and if you're not monetizing them, then there's no, there's no ultimate value to what you're doing. So I think it's important to think about, don't just think about, okay, how can I drive traffic? Don't just think about how can I retain the traffic, but also think about how can I monetize the traffic? So I say for myself, you know, with our diversity initiatives, one thing that I I probably would have done different if I can go back in time was to think about our business model and think about how we were gonna justify people paying, despite what how good our product was or how noble our efforts were. It's like okay, how, if somebody says, Hey, where do I sign? Shut up and take my money, what what, what do they do? You know, and, and that's I think that's something that's easy to overlook because of the passion and because of the, you know, the, the love for what you're doing. So I would definitely consider your monetization mechanic much sooner than later. And then of course, also the user experience as well, you know, making sure that it's, it's smooth, uh, for someone to learn about your product, to get access to it, to be up and running. And then to also be able to, to convert whatever your ultimate call to action is, whether it's subscribing or whether it's, you know, um, you know, doing a certain thing that says that they're an engaged user, making sure that those things are very easy to do um, and they're accessible.
0: Have you used you, so you're more on the gaming side of things now with gaming, you know, I always think of it in like three pillars, you know, there's that mobile arm, right. Ac- acquisition, retention, and monetization. And I also think about like, from, if you take away active, the acquisition side activation. So like that onboarding experience, are you getting people to sign up? And then the retention, are you getting people to come back day one, day seven, day 30, and then monetization, you know, are you getting them to buy certain things within your game? What do you kind of like, when a game, when you see a game in development, maybe in beta or an idea phase, what are some key things maybe from a feature perspective that you're like, that's going to drive my activation. That's going to drive my retention. That's going to drive my monetization.
1: Yeah. Great question. So I think sometimes it's easy to overlook. Uh, it's easy to assume that your, your app is easy to use. Uh, and if you, if you're not, it's very important to be clear about what your your engagement levers are okay. You know, if your engagement levers is that somebody has this weapon or they unlock this item, you have to be clear about that. Like this is this is the thing I'm looking for to turn someone from a spectator into a, a participator, like an engaged person. That whatever that thing is has to be clear in your your new user funnel or your tutorial. You don't want someone to have to come back as a retained like the next day, like a day one retained user, before they find out about that that secret weapon you know you want that to be immediately like you know in, in the first few minutes of the experience because uh that that's when they leave your application that's what they're gonna keep in mind you know and and that could even make push notifications work more effectively if you're trying to get them to come back they need a reason to come back like oh i need to come back because um i, I would unlock this feature that i understand has value uh, and I, I just i want to very very briefly tangent to uh dating applications for instance so with a dating application, everyone knows you know you go on there so that you can get people who like you, right? So uh, it's easy for dating applications to send a notification to someone saying, "Hey, so and so likes you. Come back and check them out." Of course, you're gonna click on that. But if you're not, if you're not a dating app, how do you guarantee that someone's gonna come? Who's someone's gonna come back to your app based on the core mechanic that that is of value? So I I, I encourage any app developer to consider what their so-and-so like you equivalent is mm. for the end user and then make sure that that, that action uh, is clear up front so that the person can look forward to it, you know, and then just think of a push notification as a reminder to take action on what is of value to you, nothing more. If you think of it as, as a cheap way of getting people to just like come back, they're not going to be, they're, they're eventually they'll just turn it off, if not, if not uninstall the app.
0: I love that example with the dating app. Do you have an example of that on a, maybe a mobile game that you helped with as well? Like a mobile game yeah, example? So,
1: sure, sure. Great question. Um, so I, let me talk about Mortal Kombat because that was a game I really enjoyed working on at uh, Warner Brothers. So what, one, the, Mortal Kombat's core uh, engagement mechanic was challenges, you know? So it's, a challenge is... Uh, every week, there's a new character that you don't have yet. You don't have access to them yet, but you can unlock the character if you defeat if you defeat everyone in that tower and then finally defeat them. So the the challenge is like what people look forward to. But if I if I download Mortal Kombat for the first time, I'm not aware of the challenge, and I play and I go through the tutorial, I learn how to fight and all that stuff, and then now I can go into a multiplayer, or the online mode. If I didn't know about the challenge then it would be very difficult to guarantee my, all but guarantee my engagement. So one thing that we know helped was to be able to communicate to users, hey, unlock special characters by defeating the challenge. Challenges are weekly. Look out for the push notification, you know? And, and then that, that way, we, we were able to establish a cadence of people coming back, uh, new users and returning users, coming back whenever uh, there was a new challenge available especially because there was a time limit, you know, you couldn't just do it whenever you wanted. You had to do it within uh, the 10 days in question. So that's an example, you know, like a a new challenge is available or three more days to unlock, you know, uh, uh, Freddy Krueger. That's going to get someone back to the app if they already kind of value, you know, everything else that you're doing. Do
0: you have any recommendations to game developers who are just like in the middle of developing the game or, you know, just launch? what that core lever should be? Or should that be something that you kind of figure out in soft launch or in that development process?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's just no escaping that needing to be in the the, the conception stage. Uh, you, it's not really, because it's so core to what you're doing, uh, it's not really something you wanna play catch up on. I understand if you have to play catch up on it, that happens all the time. You know, what is live operations if it's not you catching up on features? But you could save yourself a lot of time and money if you could iterate on those things prior to the, the, the design and the development starting and say, okay, I, I'm building a game that is going to get people back because they're going to look forward to this thing. Got it. Uh, when I worked at Riot Games, that, that's really what the champions were. You know, those, those champion challenges were that that was the core mechanic. And even though that's not how, you know, it, we, we, we didn't, we didn't market that as like, this is a game where you can come and, you know, get different champions every week that that's that's what that's what it ended up being you know there was a core mechanic but there was also a core engagement factor and everybody knows with riot games uh, with league of legends everyone knows with mortal kombat 10 and 11 that the 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 challenges and the champions were what people look forward for the most part to come back to
0: yeah i like that i like that good i think that's so key because so sometimes i i see an app and i'm like I don't know if this has the core mechanic, right? Like I'm like, well, I just I could drive those downloads, but I don't know why people would come back to this game. But is there a, what's the fix to that? Like how do you help that client out or how do you help that game out with like oh, I'm just not sure you have the core mechanic down right.
1: Well, so let, let's differentiate between core mechanics and engagement levers. Okay. Uh, a core mechanic is a standard that's like a standard mechanism for directing people through your game, right? So in the case of Candy Crush Saga, it's it's match three, you know what I'm saying, so you're swiping. Uh, in the case of Hearthstone, it's a collectible card game, right, so there are, or, 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 or turn-based games, the, the, the mechanics are how you play, like what the action you're doing is to get through the, the um, progression loop. So I would say that like, when it comes to, uh, I, in terms of the engagement lever, that's more of like the secret sauce. You know mm. that's that's more of what you're doing that's unique to your title, and uh, some companies use the the they they may have the IP like brand relationships right, uh, they may have the the unique artistry, uh, they may have uh, you know just like the 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 holiday for instance that they're working around. But I think it's just important to have something that sets you apart and say okay I'm gonna use a standard mechanic right. League of Legends is a standard mechanic that was just like a a a, a what do you call it? like a modification of a defense of the Ancients map? Uh, but they, they had their own secret sources, right? Okay. And I think in the same way with, you know, to your question, it's important that even though you have a standard framework that you're using, try to throw something in and that makes it unique that no one has done before. And in that way, um, pe- people can think of yours out of the crowd, right? Of, of the millions of apps that are out there, this is what they remember yours for. It's because you, you know, there was a unique aspect that leveraged the core mechanic, and uh, a, a secret sauce to make for uh, a holistic experience. So that, that I can, there's no silver bullet for that. You know, you just <laughs> you got know, you got to get the, you got to max the creative juices out.
0: Dude, I was talking to a previous podcast guest, and he was, we were talking about just that. Like, why don't you borrow a core mechanic that you know is proven, like a, a match three? And he brought up Gardenscapes. And you, I had no idea Gardenscapes was a match three game. I just thought it was like building gardens or something. <laughs> but that was like their secret sauce, right? When you talk about core mechanic, they had a match three, and they built on this like building a garden, building all these things, and sort of marrying the two. And that's – but all the – ads I saw of them were just like, build this garden, build this beautiful garden. And I, and I had no idea until this interview that it was actually a match three game.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a good example of, yeah. uh, they're not, the mechanic is secondary to their, their core engagement factor.
0: I love it, man. Are there certain, so do you kind of recommend that to, let's say you're a indie game studio, you've launched a couple of games, nothing to the success that you want it to be you kind of make that recommendation to actually let me not lead you what kind of recommendation do you have for people who want to have their own indie game studio
1: yeah so people who want to have the the indie game studio I think it's important for them to understand how uh, brutal it is when it comes to user acquisition Uh, I've seen companies come and go because of that that even had good ideas so if you understand that we're in a world now where one of the few ways that you can drive a lot of downloads is through brand affinity. i um, you know, using your, uh, you, you have access to intellectual property that people already recognize that that is always going to drive installs, you know, because of brand awareness. But if you, if you're starting from scratch, you know, no one's heard about you before and you don't have millions of dollars to just like bombard people with Facebook or Instagram ads, your, your best bet is going to be word of mouth. And uh, when I say word of mouth, you know, it's, it's this viral mechanic that, People say, hey, have you heard of this? Have you checked this out? Oh, I'm going to play this in my downtime. You know, uh, it's, it's these elements that make you stand out, that make you worth talking about. And when people talk about you, that, you know, that your, your, your app's going to get downloaded. So it's either going to be ads or it's it's going to be word of mouth. And as an indie game studio, you want word of mouth to be your ultimate driver. And that's going to come from the secret sauce that is is your engagement factor.
0: Do you have any recommendations
1: on how to, Obtain the IP. Oh, the IP side. <laughs> uh, you know that, that's a great question, man. Uh, I, I, th- I think I think I uh, think one thing I've noticed is that uh, sometimes you know if, if a studio does something unique, then the IP finds them. So a business development manager may say, "Hey, you know, you guys did this app. It was so unique. It was featured in the app store. We would love to partner somehow." And then they use that game's mechanic and the game's engagement factor. And then they bring they, they bring in the, uh, the the IP aspect there. So I'll give you an example. Let me go back to Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat is one of my favorite games. Love it. All right. So Mortal Kombat, what what their secret engagement factor was, it, it, it's not the challenge that I, I mentioned earlier. It's the fact that they had this very realistic combat-based uh, system that was bloody. Okay. That game is the game that established the the ESRB, the, the ratings board. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, they had to start rating games because of the first Mortal Kombat. It was so it was blood. Oh, yeah, I remember. Like oh. back
0: in when we were kids type of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I remember.
1: So, so the first Mortal Kombat on the Super Nintendo is what established the ratings board because they were like, I don't think it's okay for games to just have blood like this, right? But but people remember Mortal Kombat over Street Fighter and over all these other fighting games, that like existed then because they were unique in that regard. Yeah. And ever since then, Mortal Kombat has maintained this like realistic but super gory style like fatality Mm -hmm. brutality very realistic looking characters and then they've now been able to leverage that across platforms and then sure enough Warner Brothers acquired them once Warner Brothers acquired them they now have access to Predator they have access to Robocop Freddy Krueger Jason Voorhees the list goes on
0: oh interesting yeah I remember like the thing that like when I was differentiating Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat when I kids I was like but the fatalities are so much more fun, you know. Like Street so Fighter, you just die, but now it's like, you, and then you have a special move that you want to do with the fatality, and just makes it so much more fun than just, you know, killing somebody and they're,
1: and they're yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not even just like it's like you know you have finishing, you know. Yeah, right. And then, uh, yeah, and then have these poses. So it, it was they, 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 like Ed and the rest of the team went out and said, we're not just going to make a regular fighting game. We're going to make a game that people remember. That's going to break the rules and push the envelope and uh be memorable like people won't even think of street fighter when they think of us oh man so and and that's that's what they did you know and uh, the game has been successful mark Kombat 11 was the first game in uh, almost a decade to be number one across all platforms you know so that that's not a, a small a small feat
0: do you have anything from the company that you still cherish like a little token a little action figure? <laughs>
1: uh. Do I have any, any memorabilia? Um, I, I don't have physical things, but I, I mean, I do have the games, uh, and I have the relationships. In fact, uh, my name is in the credits. So of, yeah. of one of the, 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 I think it was MKX, you know, probably MKX, but they always, they always give you everyone who worked on the team in any capacity, even if it's like, you know, mobile growth to, to add your name to the credits. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool, man.
0: Hey, anything you want to cover from the mobile side? before we hit the big finish and talk about more of the personal Uh,
1: side. Yeah. 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 I think on the mobile side, I think it's, it's, it's important to just understand that it's no longer a a fast follow uh, copycat, you know, like I'm just going to get like a gold rush, you know, it's, it's even, even though we're in like the hundred billion mark now for mobile revenue, uh, it's still more competitive than ever. There are millions upon millions of apps now. So I think it's important that for the folks who are just, they had, they have the passion, uh, and, and their goal is to put out a successful mobile application there. Make sure that you are thinking about what, what will make you stand apart. Be very clear on the people that you're targeting, you know, and I don't like using terms like product market fits, but it is important. You know, that's just real talk. It's important that there are, there's enough people that it doesn't matter what you tell them, they believe in what you're doing and they're going to download your app, whether, whether any, if, if their life depends on you, so uh yeah I, I think it's important to just keep that in mind and then and then use the mechanic and the engagement factors to drive that the development of this this baby that has a pmf uh and then everything else will follow do not do not build based on uh if you get ip you're lucky if you get millions of dollars to spend on ua then you're lucky but do not depend on those things you know in order to be successful in this game
0: yeah i love it man it's so surprising to hear game studios saying like yeah we, we're spending about a million dollars a month and i'm like holy smokes like for me there's still a lot of money and they're just like saying it like hey we're spending about a million dollars a month like holy cow that's a lot of money man that's crazy
1: yeah it is it is but but that, that that million dollars is not being spent on it's 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 coming from somewhere and it's coming from something they did that made them stand out i can yeah. name the company i can tell you why they're able to spend a million dollars but No company just wakes up and says, I'm going to spend a million dollars doing ads that, 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 that marketing budget has to come from somewhere.
0: Yeah. So true, my friend. And I, I get that having worked with a few different big gaming companies, they're so focused on the metrics, kind of like what we talked about in the first interview, they're so focused on the metrics. Like they know what their retention rate is. They know their LTV they're in soft launch for so long that they're like, okay, this is going to be successful. Okay. This is not going to be successful. Let's not launch this game. We were wrong. And I think that's so key. Whereas the the game developers I tend to talk to are like, Steve, I launched this game. How do I get downloads? Like, what do I do? And I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> like, I'm, it's kind of late for me to come in. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's uh, it's, it's crazy. But I do think these kinds of conversations, I think that's where App Masters is great is that it can help close the gap between these studios and big companies that have millions of dollars and can afford to be in soft ones forever, uh, it can close the gap there and help the smaller studios uh, or the indie game devs learn from the companies that have the big budget so that they don't have to make those mistakes or spend that much money or even like a small fraction of it in order to put something great out there. And again, a lot of these companies started from that point. You know, I think the, the advantage we have now is that we have a lot of his- historical information and data to um, be able to glean from.
0: It's so true. And that's my mission because I think the mindset's also different from an indie versus a game, big game studio. And so I want to make sure I highlight that between the two because I get to talk to both. And it's just like, well, you're actually not talking about this at all. And big game studios are talking about this all the time. And indies are like so more focused on like, this is a great app. Like, look at it. It's so beautiful, right? Like, and these big game studios are like, no, what are the numbers? What are the LTVs? They're all like focused on the numbers, whereas the indie ones are more like subjective factors like it's pretty right. it looks good i like the game idea it's you know we've seen something similar so let me let me do the same thing as they're already doing
1: right absolutely i love absolutely. it brother. good point
0: so if let me let me hit the big finish right here is i know last time you said imdb was your favorite app do you have a new favorite app of yours it's <laughs> still imdb oh, you still a movie fan yeah.
1: yeah it's not gonna i don't think it's gonna change that easily <laughs> um <laughs> because uh yeah you know I, it's it's still just such a core cool part of uh of what I do and and what, you know like i said my desktop uh if i want to check if my Wi-Fi is working uh, i i go to imdb.com you know i just click on the the bookmark um and then the same if i want to check on my phone that's where i go so you're so funny i think dude. i think yeah but when things get busy you know for me it's a little bit of an escape not not necessarily to just go watch movies but to even just see uh what's out there my favorite magazine is entertainment weekly um, but just being in the loop and, and knowing what's out there is is somewhat therapeutic for me. I love it, man.
0: So if you're looking to hire, one thing that I want to mention too on this the At Masters side, I think we as Asians, and I'll just say Asian Americans, we have to do better because you know we are lumped into a minority, people of color, but I don't think I don't I don't think I've faced the same type of prejudice that others might have faced that are people of my black black or brown brothers and sisters, right? Like there's a huge difference between the two. And I think I mentioned it in our first interview and it's like, I never felt like if I'm at a tech conference or in the tech space, I never felt like, Oh man, like I'm the only Asian here. No, like it's actually the opposite. And I think the only struggle, and I wanted to bring this up in the personal, but I want to make sure we mention it here too. The only struggle that I've had is making sure that people understand I spoke English, which I'm like, if I look back on it, you I'm like, that's nothing compared to what others might be facing, other minorities are facing. So I think we as Asians, Asian-Americans, and I got to do better myself, we have to better represent our other minority brothers and sisters who may not have had the same luxuries that we've had in growing up in America. Because I read, I finished the book, White Fragility, and they were saying like, they're breaking down, it was just like a throwaway type of sentence, but it really hit me, right. it was like, Whites and Asians, they're more adjacent, but whites and blacks, they're the furthest apart. And I'm like, we got to do better. Like, we can't just, the most racism I felt, Juca, is just that, hey, do you speak English? And I'm like, dude, that's nothing. Like, we can get over that, right? Like, that's nothing. So anyways, that's that's sort of my soapbox. Right. Anything you want to add on to that before I plug your stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's, I would love to clarify also that uh, in the tech space, uh, Asians are, the most overrepresented, uh, <laughs> of, of all the, <laughs> they're, I'm they're glad you pointed out. Yeah. By, yeah. They're, they're overrepresented represented by, uh, uh, almost three three X, you know, it's almost in fact, yeah. So it's like, it's like, uh, three times, close to three times, like two and a half times. Um, and I, you know, that, 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 that that's, there's something to be said about that, you know, probably because the Bay area cities like a quarter Asian, uh, and, and that's where the industry is concentrated. So, I think it has to do with some of that, given the, the percentage versus overall population. But uh, it, it's no—we're all products of society and our environment. So all we can really do is is try to rectify, to correct, you know, to correct the mean, if you will. And uh, and I feel like it, everyone everyone has to play a part. You know, if 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 it's on their hearts, you know, if God puts it on their hearts, then you know, play play a part. There's enough to go around. There's no there's no question about that. And that's actually one thing I really appreciate about uh, the U.S. I grew up in Nigeria, great country also, but I've been here the majority of my life and I don't see uh, lack of opportunity. You know, I, I see racism, but I don't see lack of opportunity mm. in, in any way. So because there's just such a, a market demand for any and everything. Um, and there's, there's also a big population. So based on that, there's, there's more than enough to go around. And I feel like that's where, uh, if people understand that, then we can, we can be more, uh, humane with, uh, hiring decisions and, uh, and look, i the numbers don't lie again. You know, you look at diverse teams, you see the increased valuation versus the homogeneous teams, it fits about money that, that diversity is your friend still.
0: So if you are hiring, trying to look for more talent more diverse pool of talent, it is diversity.io. That's linked up into the show notes. Chuka, if the audience wants to follow up with you in any way, do you want to send them anywhere personally so they could get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Um, I, I think LinkedIn's always good uh, because that's, I mean, obviously, you, know, you, you can't beat LinkedIn's reach right now. Uh, and even in the last app masters interview we had, I, I got hit up by some folks Oh, good, man. on LinkedIn. So yeah, you know, my, my LinkedIn is open, you know, and I, I respond to every message I get, uh, cause it's not as overwhelming yet. Uh, so I think now's still a good time. And for me, it's important to give back, uh, just give back the things I've learned, uh, and to have this open form of communication and, and scale it, you know, if it, if it came down to a bandwidth issue. Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. So
0: Chuka's name is linked to his LinkedIn profile as well. So as you're listening to this, you can just click on him and, and bombard him. Let's make it so that he doesn't give away his LinkedIn anymore. <laughs> Let's bombard
1: him. Chuka, thank
0: you so much for coming on and doing this, man.
1: No problem. My pleasure.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. And we're listening to part two on the Games with Entrepreneurs podcast. That's also linked up in the show notes below. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing
1: app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.